break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Well, hello, everybody. I am so glad that you have donated your ear holes to us for yet another episode of the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode 109 for February 28th, 2022. This month, this week, this episode, this moment, we are going to be talking about a very cool accessibility feature called Prefers Reduced Motion. I am your bearded host, Michael Feenan. I'm I'm not... I'm not the other host because you're the other host. I'm the other other host. That's I'm that's, yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. That's I mean that I that's, thought that was just your first name actually. I, I thought just, your first I, name I had, was other. Yeah. No. I I had someone ask me what the other other host meant, and so I feel like I should explain that because you're the other host. I'm the other host, and I'm not the other host. I'm the other other host. I I'm I I'm just going along with you at this point. Yeah. yeah uh, I I think you're a little out there, but. Uh, that's okay. I don't blame you. Uh, let's see. Uh, this week I am drinking a, uh, metric butt ton of Gentleman Jack on the Rocks. Uh, <laughs> because spread out over the week. <laughs> I enjoy whiskey and Gentleman Jack doesn't drink like whiskey. It drinks kind of like water. Uh, it's, it is so smooth. Um, and I don't like Jack Daniels, like plain old Jack Daniels. I don't, it's not fun for me i guess it's too young tasting i don't like it i forget if i drank this in the last episode i think i was having the ian mouth i don't think time. so yeah i picked this up it's a deveron 12 i don't know what that is um deveron it's 12 it's proper scotch like it's made in scotland um it's highland single malt yeah I, i'm not sure what so we're probably talking but... wildflower flavors maybe some light fruits like a like maybe pears or sure. white peaches. The the tasting notes at the liquor store said that it was like I, I saw like vanillas and um not cinnamon, but like those sorts of like spice a, flavors. A nutmeg. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know that I taste those, but it is good. Like I, I am enjoying it and it's very smooth. Um and it was I think it was only like forty bucks or maybe fifty dollars. It was pretty cheap as far as scotch goes, but I, I just got eyes it open. The tasting notes. Yeah, that that's a. That's I mean, it's Im- impressive not to toot my own horn a little bit, but like for you to show up with a scotch that like I haven't heard of at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, even if I haven't had it, I usually like I know all of the main distillers and everything, and so they yeah, had the bottle is too. It's like it's like a bluish green, like, like ocean colored glass, like smoky glass, frosted. Yeah, yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah, it'll be something to look Anyways. for. Uh, yeah. I'm always up for a new challenge and. I'm at just about the restock phase of my bar, so. <laughs> yeah. I I found that this particular scotch pairs really well with, um, I have some sharp white cheddar and dates, like the dried dates. Yeah. Um, so I had them on some like Triscuit crackers, but I just had them tonight with just the cheese and the dates and it, go, it goes really well, like it complements it nicely. Um, yeah, like the whole art of scotch pairing is no different than wine pairing. I mean, it's yeah. the different scotches go with different things. There are dessert scotches. There are purely by accident. <laughs> I I tend to it include like though. Dalmore is like a desserty kind of scotch to me. Mm. 
um, or like a sherry cask Macallan, um, mm-hmm. something like an Akintosin, uh, a Lowland is real nice with like pork, you know, like a, a white meat um, or a chicken. Um, I do maybe a, a Dalwini, a Highland with steak um, or maybe a Balvenie. Um, so oh, yeah, like you can, you can take these all different directions. So here I am giving another class. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually pretty serious about that. <laughs> Something else I'm very serious about is accessibility. And we haven't talked about accessibility recently. Um, so I wanted mm-hmm. to go get like a deep cut and that's where this prefers reduced motion came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be kind of a fun, different, very feature specific and kind of explain how to use it, why you would use it, what it does, um, and and why it helps, you know, what what it will help with accessibility-wise, because this is one of those real good, meaty topics. We talked about prefers reduced data. Data, right? yeah. On episode 77. Right. Um, very similar, very similar yeah. tool. Same kind of thing, right? Yes. So... Yeah. What what these are? There's a series of these, and we'll we'll uh, run through them at the end of the show too. Uh, that there are a number of user preferences that they can have set, like at their system level. This isn't just a browser setting. This is something you can set in the operating system, whether it's Windows, mm-hmm. Mac. Um, but what it does is it it lets you expose a user's preferences to the browser. So that you can then make decisions in your JavaScript, in your CSS, as to what you're going to do. And you can probably guess from the name that prefers reduced motion is a flag for whether or not a user wants more or less animation on a page. And you would be right. That is exactly what it does. Um, I want to, before we you know dive too deep... Um, Thomas Steiner has an article over at web.dev and, and he had kind of a breakdown of animations that I thought was really good. Um, Mm -hmm. that web animations basically fall into what are three camps for the most part. Okay. One group is to provide feedback. So like you've done something and so it gives you a little animation so that you know that that it happened. You click to the buy now button and it, animated uh, an an image going into the cart you know you you clicked on a, a number and made it bigger and something on the page grew uh, in in line with it um feedback can be a a very uh helpful thing to let somebody know that something changed on a page um to see something move on that page to draw attention to it to say hey this thing needs something or this thing did something sure um the uh, one of the other groups is simple decoration. Um, you might also call this like salt. You know, it's a little flavor <laughs> for the page, but that doesn't actually mean anything. Like maybe you've got little floating balloons in the in the background. Well, the floating balloons don't convey any information. They're purely aesthetic at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a button pulsing if it's not giving you feedback for something like the. The pulsing is to draw attention to it, but for no other reason but because you want to. Um, right. The third group is actually pretty interesting, um, and it, it doesn't necessarily fall into what we're going to talk about tonight, but it it is the third group, and so I wanted to mention it, which is it is a way of implying speed. Okay, do you what, – what kind of speed do you mean, like loading speed? Or? Yes, yes, exactly. So a okay, good example how? of this – 
is have you ever jumped on, let's say, uh, I know Facebook does this. Um, I know other sites do it as well. I think Newegg does this. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to like a product listing page on Newegg or you're, you're looking at your feed and the feed is loading on Facebook and you see like placeholder elements with like where the oh. image would be and where the text would be. And there are like little animated gradients kind of there until the right. API calls are done. Right. And that animation makes a page perceived to be faster rather than having nothing there and waiting on it. Um, because you see the, you see progress because you see something like, happening. You mean like the old Ajax rollers, right? Like you'd have right. a content yes. being loaded and you just show exactly the little meaningless progress circle. It's right. not actually implying anything like, you know, we think of it from a UX standpoint of, you know, we just need to let you know that something's happening and you need to wait on it. So that, that actually is conveying information in that particular case. But this notion of like, oh yeah, we're, you know, it takes time round trip. Why do we have loaders? Because we know when you submit that form, it has to go to API gateway, run through a little node script to process it, submit to the database, return a result. And while those things are all generally fast in aggregate, maybe that takes four or five seconds. And so mm. that speed feels much quicker if they see something happening on the page. And that's something I'm pretty sure Nielsen Norman at one point, I I didn't think to go look it up, but I'm pretty sure they've done research on that too. And if it wasn't them, it was one of the other UIE or one of them, but Mm -hmm. like, that's something that has been studied that, you know, adding that in makes something perceived to be faster, which is, it's, it's both interesting. I don't think it's unexpected either. Um, Maybe the issue is, it's not that we perceive it to be faster. We just don't watch the boiling pot because we see progress and we're like, okay, this is happening. I don't have to pay attention to it. Yeah. So at any rate, that's the third group. Hmm. Um, so those, cool. so uh, providing feedback, uh, adding decoration and implying speed. Now hmm. for the most part, um, I mentioned implying speed. I mean, it could fall into this depending on the style of animation mm-hmm. you're using, but most of what we're going to talk about is going to deal with the other two groups how you provide feedback and how you decorate your site. That's what's really going to be impacted the most by, mm. by this feature. Um, okay. So first and foremost, uh, we'll have a link to the MDN docs, of course, for this. So you can go in and see some examples of this stuff and, and read up on it on your own if you want to. The need for this comes out of a, a little bit of a, a deep cut in accessibility. Like this is an accessibility feature it's good, you know, for to provide people help, but it is level triple A compliance. So it's the highest level of compliance. Um, and it comes out of, uh, if you're looking at WCAG 2.1, it's uh, success uh, criteria 233 for animation and interactions. It says motion animation triggered by interaction can be disabled unless the animation is essential to the functionality or the information being conveyed. Hmm. So it's it's about user control. You know, we talk about this a lot in terms of like sure. making sure if you're doing something on your site that you aren't asking the user to do, give them a way to get out of that. So is this is this an all or nothing thing? Is it like either yes, I prefer reduced motion or no, I don't care? Or is there like middle ground where I can have a little motion as a treat, but not a whole lot? The, the latter. Um, okay. Well, and what you're going to find here in a minute is like, yeah, the, the whole thing is, you know, think about these words, prefers reduced motion, not 
demands no motion, motion, right? (laughs) And so that will come into play here when we start (laughs) digging into this. But yeah, the idea is the user is setting a preference to, uh, you know, to have something not happen. Um, Politely requests a little bit less motion. Yeah. (laughs) The, the reason for this, the, one of the words you'll hear or phrases is vestibular motion disorders. That's the, uh, ear related, right? Yeah. So a lot of, it, well, ear and more basically mm-hmm. is that's going to be inner ear problems. Um, some medications, medicines can cause like, uh, disorientation, dizziness, um, mm-hmm. infections, you know, an ear infection can obviously cause big problems. Um, brain injury, traumatic brain injuries can cause it. Um, but also things like epilepsy, um, things mm-hmm. like ADHD, okay. uh, right. you know, animations will get into this as well animations can be very distracting right <laughs> be very probably you know we don't think about adhd as a disability but all right <laughs> it is in that it, it is in the sense of accommodation right yeah so i i've i've talked about this before i don't know if it was on this show or elsewhere but um that that's a legitimate thing that i think people laugh about it's like oh squirrel kind of thing right but like my my brain is wired to be really good at like hunting and searching for stuff. So you put me into a situation where I have to find a needle in a haystack. I'm great. But you, you put me in like the woods looking for blueberries or something doing awesome. But like, man, sometimes pages just are creating all of these like false positives. And all I'm trying to do is read something and my brain is working against me, whether or not it's, you consider it to be a disability. Like the fact is like my brain and other people who are like me, our brains operate a little bit differently to stimulus. And so things that are flashing or shiny or like intentionally trying to get my attention, I'm more susceptible to that. And it creates a very bad user experience for me. Yeah. And I I think, you know, we should be careful of using that word disability, right? Because that's not what accessibility is about. Accessibility Mm -hmm. isn't about accommodating disability. It's about Mm -hmm. accommodating. Right. That's it. Like it's about creating affordances for unique situations, um, whatever, wherever those may come and, and what shape they may take. When somebody comes to you and says, your page is hurting me. <laughs> like we have two options there. We can either listen to them or we can blow them off. And if somebody is like, yeah, I have ADHD and we think, well, that's not a disability. I don't need to deal with that. Mm-hmm. They're they're one person out of thirty thousand who visited my page. That's not worth dealing with. Mm-hmm. No, it's the one that told you. But doesn't I mean yeah. ADHD? Isn't it like you know one in twelve people uh, have ADHD? Something I don't, something like I don't that? even know because the the diagnostic criteria are really fuzzy. Um, and there's like sometimes attention deficit can be a product of other things like depression or anxiety, and other times like. ADHD can cause those things. So like the exact like chicken and egg of this is not something that we fully know. And it's also not something that we can like look at a brain scan and be like, Oh, that's your problem there. Yeah. Um, It's more of like an emergent quality that it's only like the D the second DNA is disorder. And it's only if your, the, the presence of this in your life is causing your life to have more friction in it. Yeah. than someone without it. Um, and for some people, it's manageable. Um, and for other people, it can be like really inhibiting and it can 
like it can be very very difficult and keep you from succeeding and stuff yeah I've- one of the diagnostic criteria is like driven as if by a motor um and like you know just constantly being in motion and yeah I, I think the the common term now is called like stimming like self-stimulating um and it's all related to like your dopamine systems and everything but um i i was i played percussion when i was in junior high and i had a drum kit and everything and i to this day i will still like just randomly tap out rhythms that are in my head on the table or my legs i've learned how to do it in a way that it's less disruptive to people around me um but you know it still happens and and you made me no. think of one that's that wasn't on my list here, but you use that word stimming, right? Which is, mm-hmm. I believe, a word that gets used with uh, the people who are on the autism spectrum. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of similarities there, or a lot of like comorbidities between the two. Yeah, and but that's another one that like things like animations on a page for mm-hmm. somebody who's you know on that spectrum can also be very distracted or put off buy mm-hmm. that kind of stuff depending on the nature of it and, and like I say, how severe uh, their condition is. Um, yeah. There's no – and the one, the other thing about all of this is everything we've listed and mentioned, none of them are limited to a particular group of people, to a particular age cohort or anything. This could be anybody at any time. Um, yeah. If you got a concussion in a car accident tomorrow, I hope that doesn't <laughs> happen to you. But if – and as somebody who has had a concussion, and a pretty severe one, the dizziness component to things when you move your eyes around, that's part of motion disorder and that mm. can make you dizzy. And if I'm snapping my eyes around on a web page, oh, yeah. I, I will get dizzy sometimes. Uh, it's a split second. It's not like, oh, I'm going to throw up or like, oh, I'm dizzy for an hour. It's not like that. It's momentary right, right. things, but it's very disorienting when that happens. Um, I, I would say all, all this is to say that like, Whatever you may think about ADHD yourself, like whether or not you agree with us, if if someone like me comes to a page that you're making and I have a bad time, like, you know, you didn't hurt me, but it's a good possibility that I'm probably not going to come back to it if I can't consume it. I, I hate looking at recipe sites. They're, they're just the level of ads they put on them and the inter like interstitial content and everything. It, it's like it's annoying and it's takes me a lot of effort to read it. But like sometimes I need to have recipes, but like if you have a print layout version or a print preview or something like that, that's like, that's a godsend for me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then, oh, it, yeah. then I can actually re- read the content. And um, we're going to talk about that. That's yeah. actually, that's a, that's one of those unplanned happy accidents that that is right <laughs> on topic for us. Um, <laughs> if you want to read more though about like motion sickness and how it applies to web development and things like that, Eileen Webb's article over at opennews.org will be linked in the show notes. It's a great look at like the consumption of web media and how that can be affected by things that are in motion. She has a, mm-hmm. several videos um, that do not autoplay uh, on the page that demonstrate some of the things that she's talking about. Like she went out and found like news articles and things to show, you know, how these things can, can be uh, affecting them. So you know, that's a good it's, article. It's only tangentially related, but since you mentioned autoplay, that was our first episode. Was auto auto playing videos number episode number one the horror. <laughs> um, the other thing is this isn't just about accessibility, and this is just kind of like one of those extra little bonus things. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- when you limit motion, when you limit animations on a page, pages that have lots of animation libraries, lots of things going on, lots of calculations happening. 
you'll mm-hmm. see this if people are using like canvas elements and things in the background to like do complex animations. If you're using uh, the green sock uh, animation platform, um, mm-hmm. things like that, that that shortens battery life. As, is it is it material like is it is something that is measurable? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever been like using your phone and and think about like this, right? If you are watching YouTube on your phone, mm-hmm. just turn your phone on, put a YouTube video on, set it down for five minutes, and then pick your phone up and see how warm your phone feels. Mm-hmm. That heat loss, like that's that is a tangible feeling of energy loss. That is yeah, happening I guess because what... video is playing and video yeah. is motion. Video is animation. Like if you have background videos on a website, you know, those kinds of things, you know, the, that JavaScript that is running that, uh, that SVG animation on your page is running constantly. If it's not running constantly, like I'm assuming I'm, th- this applies if it's running constantly. And so that CPU usage, instead of your CPU usage sitting at three or five percent when somebody's idly mm. reading a page your that cpu maybe opened up to 25 percent 40 percent for part of that so i mean you do have to take it as a factor of the length of time somebody is on that page using it certainly but there is an efficiency component to that and i like it because i think we give up just like on other forms of web performance you know image size th- bandwidth things like that like we take for granted, I think, mm-hmm. how powerful things are, and it's just good practice to maximize your performance, um, not just in bandwidth, but yeah, how mm-hmm. how chewy is that page, um, things like that. Or uh, an example that isn't animation related, but you know, you've heard about like crypto miners, JavaScript oh, crypto God. miners on yeah. sites, and like those will <laughs> those will peg a CPU to a hundred percent, like they will take up all the threads when i when i was at cornell we were using this social media aggregating service i don't remember the name of it now but um we found that on the pages that had loaded it but were not active um and i forget what that meant in this context but it was using their 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 embed um one of my coworkers noticed that his cpu use like jumped to 100% and it was with that tab and then so we looked into the source code for the page and they had loaded a coinhive wasm file so it was using webassembly to do crypto mining and i i emailed them about it and then as soon as i mentioned that our, we would have our lawyers review this they stopped talking to me huh. <laughs> but yeah they said that one other one of their employees has su- suggested piloting it out like less than a day ago um <laughs> that's uh, what we call a big oof yeah Big oof. Um, let's talk about applications of this. So sure. what are things that you will commonly have animations on that you'll that you'd want to use this? Um animated buttons are real common. Wait, wait, wait. Can you, what do you mean want to use this? Do you mean want to use prefers reduced motion, or do you mean want to use animation period? Yes. The, the, well, I mean a little both, right? Like things okay. that you will commonly see animated. Let me say it that way. Okay. Is that uh, maybe a little more straightforward? Sure. sure. So like menus, um Yeah, drop down menus you'll see animated quite um, frequently. Hover interactions. Um, um auto scrolling. Yeah. yeah. Uh infographics. You see infographics mm-hmm. real frequently with like scroll animations, right? As you scroll down the page, 
you know, a car moves across the screen and, right, and the right. sun go, rises and falls as you scroll. Mm-hmm. So like those kind of animated infographic things that, that happen. Um, Michelle Barker has an article at Smashing Magazine from uh, late last year where she was talking about uh, this exact feature. She called out smooth scrolling. Um, okay, I that's think I know what you're talking about. That's that's where like you click a navigation button to go to somewhere in the page, and then it jumps to the part of the page for you. Uh, opposite. It doesn't okay. jump. It scrolls to it smoothly. If think of it that like the smooth scrolling. So you click oh. an anchor, you know, an anchor to like the next yeah. heading. And so smooth scrolling will move you there. Whereas okay. if you don't have smooth scrolling, it'll just jump there. Now, a lot of people think smooth scrolling is good. And for a lot of people, it is. It It's one of those like it does convey some meaning, right? Because it's showing you oh we're taking you somewhere else on this page and we're going to show like kind of imply the distance you know that you are traversing so to speak so you know that you're still on the same page and all of that that but the flip side of it is it's not consistent because it will smooth scrolling has an execution window and i don't know what it is mm-hmm. off the top of my head two seconds one second something like that it's it's not much so the distance you are traveling will cause the speed of smooth scrolling to change, which can be very distracting and disorienting for somebody who isn't expecting it. So it's kind of, it's, it's a sword that can cut both ways. It's entirely subjective. I am not saying there's any objectivity behind this at all, but I don't like smooth scrolling. Just jump me to the page. Like I don't. Yeah. It it seems like one of those like, Ooh, shiny things like, Oh, look what we can do. This is neat. Looks all futuristic. Even though like, what does that even mean? Um, like, like if you can make text glow or something, you know, that it's all fancy and it's neat. I've, I mean, I've literally used it recently, but, um, yeah, smooth scrolling. I, I don't know. Just jump it. So, uh, prefers reduce motion has two values. Mm-hmm. It can either be reduce lowercase mm-hmm. R reduce, or it can be no dash preference. Okay. That's it. So we, we said, right? Like there no motion is not an option. Like it's just reduce or no preference. Um, This creates a kind of opt-in model, right? So um, there is no positive affirmation for it either. So show me animation, animate as much as possible. Yeah. There, there is no, (laughs) you know, yeah. All animation or something like that. Like in, cause you would ask, is there a middle ground? Right. And like, have have the page act like you or I sitting down on a chair, constantly moving. <laughs> <laughs> so without that, so what it means is by default, your operating system is set to no preference. Um, mm. Because and here's the thing: like it does make that might feel a little weird, but it it, it makes sense if you think about um, you know this notion that this value never existed before and people aren't going to go in there and set it unless they need it most likely. And so presuming no preference is sort of the way of hedging bets that it's like, yeah, no preference doesn't mean, yes, I absolutely want animations. It just means you haven't said no to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And reduce is kind of a similar, like it's, it's not none it's just saying, no, I, I need as few as possible because there are 
you know, there will always be some amount of, of animations mm-hmm. outside your web page, you know, other things. So you can't escape it, but that's the idea behind it. Um, which is pretty straightforward. Uh, and I doubt we'll see other values come into play there. Uh, to get into this. So prefers reduced motion is a media query. It's not a mm-hmm. proper, it's not a CSS property. It's, it's a media query. So okay. if you had, for instance, I'm going to, I'm going to say this out kind of slowly, just so it paints a little word picture. If you had a little block of CSS and you had, you know, dot class, you know, class name, uh, dot example, we'll, we'll say that dot mm-hmm. example, curly brackets. And by default, you would say animation, none. So, and, okay. and let's assume that you've got, you know, some keyframes written out somewhere and like, you know, maybe you're, it's the background color changing. And so you've got that on a 12 second transition or something like that, or, or you're going to bounce it and the bounce is a pretty easy one. Um, but by default, think of it, you know, how, uh, when, when I say like mobile first, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is all your CSS is written with the idea of being on a phone first, and then you'll use a media query uh, with min width to then do right. the next breakpoint up. This is very similar. So, so this isn't. I, I see what you're saying now. So this isn't. Um, oh, they've said they want reduced. So let's go back and remove or reduce all animation here. You know, um, item per item. You're saying start out with no animation, and then if they specifically opt in to no preference, then show animation for them. Yes. Now. I like that. I I will say, and I think Tatiana um, commented on this in an article over on her site, um, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong way. Like, doing it reduce first or no preference first, it kind of comes out in the wash a little bit that way. Um, But I I like the idea of of addressing it like progressive enhancement. Um, mm-hmm. so like the default of none or very limited animation means layering on enhancement. And so then you would do a media query of prefers reduced motion, colon, no preference. And then you would mm-hmm. say dot example, and then curly bracket animation bounce 1200 milliseconds. Cool. This seems like, uh, I, I mean, it's, it seems nice, but it seems like you'd have a lot of media queries kind of peppered all over the place, wouldn't you? You could, yeah. And depending on, like, if you're just doing, like, monolith-style CSS, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One thing I don't know, and I should have looked this up, and I apologize for being lazy, is I would bet there is a gulp tool or a roll- roll-up tool, parcel, something like that plugin that would detect every time you use that media query. Mm-hmm. And would spit it out in a separate file. Okay. So, and this is something Tatiana hits on in her article. Uh, and the way she does it, and I, I like this, is she shows you, like, in your uh, in your head tag where you're mm-hmm. when you're listing out your CSS, you can pass media queries into a link tag. So you can say link rel equals style sheet media equals and then because normally we do like media all or sometimes you'll see like media print you know for a print style sheet 
it never even occurred to me that you could do this with media queries. Yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense, but wow. Yeah, you could do this with anything you can do a media query for, whether that's breakpoints, you know, color schemes, anything. So, yeah, you can say prefers reduced motion, no preference. Name the file animations.css, and then Mm -hmm. all your animations are all in one place. I do a variant of this. That's really fucking cool. I I don't spit it out into a separate file, but I do keep an animations partial in my SAS builds usually. And because I, I like using tools like um, Animista, for instance, mm-hmm. that is like a CSS animation generator because I suck at animations. I'm not, <laughs> that's, that's a visual skill I'm not good at, but I can like pick things and combine them and then let it spit out what I need then. Um, and so I'll use that partial to house like all of those. Cause then I can also leave like code comments for like, this came from Animista at this URL, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, oh, all I, the keyframes, all that. I do that with, um, I, I use primitive, primitive UI, uh, SAS library or framework, I guess. Um, and then I take, uh, I make a folder called vendor and then I put in anything that I'm pulling in from yeah. outside and yeah. slap it in the vendor folder. Right. Cause usually like if I'm changing it, it's minimal changes. Um, and this way, like it's clearer, like, when something isn't mine that I wrote, so I can just say like, this just works. Just hand wave it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I, I like that. It's Tatiana is Tatiana Mac, right? That yes, we had yeah, Tatiana Mac. episode 18. I very, think. very sharp, um, very accessibility minded, uh, focused yeah. person. Uh, cool. I, I like that. Hats, hats off to that. A lot of uh, respect. Tatiana. Thank you. Um, yeah. so yeah, like that. Cause then like, you don't even need the media query in that file, then. The media query is part of the link tag that determines whether or not everything in this file runs or not. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty elegant solution that way. It's, and it it's very, you know, keeps it very nice and siloed functionally. Yeah. Um, I mentioned progressive enhancement. Um, Eric Bailey has a great article over at CSS Tricks about this. Um, and he, because uh, he approaches this with the same mentality of, like, start from none, Treat it like progressive enhancement, so add the the no preference media query. But he also talked about, uh, and you started hitting on this uh, a few minutes ago, talking mm-hmm. about like being in like reader mode, you know, or, or print mode to read yeah. something on a page. You don't, as a developer designer, you don't have as much control over how people perceive your animations as you think you do. Um, right. If people are taking your content through an RSS feed. Or uh, like Safari, Firefox have uh, reader modes, or you may use something like Pocket or uh, Instapaper, you know, to like save articles outside of the site. You don't actually have that much of a guarantee that your animations are going to be included with that stuff. And so if you are trying to convey information and do things, that may not work to your advantage in some of those cases. Um, now those use cases will vary like long form content doesn't usually have a lot of animation to it, but that very first, uh, article I mentioned though, uh, that Eileen Webb wrote, like her examples were things like, you know, articles in the New York times or Washington post that have these like real, very cool data visualizations with lots of animation, you know? So like if I were to grab Mm -hmm. that article and put it in pocket, who knows, you know, if I'm actually going to get that animation when I read it there. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. The other device, and I call this one out because I have one, is um, anything e-ink. Because e-ink has terrible refresh rates. 
So it's right. not good at doing things that need like several frames in the course of a second. Um, my, you know, and I'm not talking about just like a Kindle. I have an e-ink reader um, mm-hmm. that I use for all my books and things like that. But it is at its heart just an Android device with an e-ink screen. Right. And so I can and do use it to pull up a web page once in a while. Um, and it works perfectly fine because it is just an Android tablet at that point, but it's black and white and it has a garbage refresh rate. So like I'm actually, I have exactly one of the devices he calls out that it's like, yeah, e-ink's a thing. And folks need to remember that like they don't all have 120 Hertz refresh rates in some of those cases. (laughs) It's like 12 or 10 Hertz. Um, okay. So that was the CSS side. Let's talk JavaScript real fast too, because okay. you can come at this from the other side. Uh, have you ever used a uh, window dot match media? No. So there is a method attached to the window object in JavaScript called match media. And what do you okay. do? You pass it a media query, just like you would in CSS. And it will return to you, uh, a Boolean of whether or not it, believe it or not, matches that media. So hmm. in this case, you say window dot match media, and then you pass it your parentheses, prefers reduce motion, colon reduce. And it will then say true or false. You can okay. do the same thing here. You can do this with any media query. You can use it for controlling responsive behavior. We've got a, a gallery, a carousel, content carousel mm-hmm. tool that when you look at it on desktop, it uh, it has an overlay with controls to go back and forth. But if you look at it on a phone, it's it gets rid of that because it's just touch-based and you just do normal side-to-side scrolling on it. And so we have a – we use a match media query there that just matches the breakpoint so that if something gets resized down – it turns off the overlay, and if it gets big again, it reinitializes the overlay. Um, and so we can we can bind and unbind that JavaScript for that particular feature. So in this case, you can do this for prefers reduced motion, and then use it to do something like maybe control. Uh, you know, are you auto playing video? Well, if if prefers reduced motion reduce comes back true then maybe you take autoplay off of all the videos on your site. You know, you can interact with lots of things all at once that way and like pull that stuff out or pull it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the article that Michelle wrote, wrote um, uh, over at Smashing Magazine, Michelle Barker, she made a, a comment that was actually pretty sharp, which was like, maybe you're using something like GSAP. Um, I mentioned that earlier, the GreenSock animation platform. It's a JavaScript library designed to empower animation it's a big library um it does a lot of stuff and it's like if somebody's uh media query is set to reduce then don't load that module like save the overhead of loading this giant javascript module that won't be useful to them um so can you can use that in javascript then to conditionally load chunks of your code um so that's something you can look at there too and and sort of pair that it's good for CSS, but because it is something that is being exposed to the browser, you can grab it out of JavaScript as well mm-hmm. and make decisions about what you're going to do there. Cool. So let's let's go to your earlier question, right? Do we have to eliminate all animation? Yes. 
Uh, no. I mean, not all. But what if we did? It, just, just saying. It would be a very boring web. I don't know. It would be very boring. It's uh, pretty fascinating. So here's the thing. We we talk about like this is an accessibility tool. It's to make a website more perceivable for somebody so that they don't get migraines, they don't get dizziness, they don't get headaches, things like that. But animation can be good for accessibility because it can apply indication that something's interactive or that something is happening or that uh, steps are transpiring. Uh, Eric Bailey wrote, he says, uh, animation can be a great tool to help combat some forms of cognitive disability by using it to break down complicated concepts or communicate the relationship between seemingly disparate objects. A little animation right. can actually I, be really good. I guess. I mean, it's it's just one of those, like, you have to evaluate, right? Like, the usage. It's easy to go overboard. I used that word salt earlier, like, you know, decoration, salt, add flavor to a page. And there's a right amount of salt you can add to food, and there's a wrong amount of salt to add to food. You know, too much can really hurt, you know, the way a page looks or feels. Um, and this really isn't all that different. Um, and it depends, like, what is your app? What is it doing? Is that needed or is there a better way to communicate what it is you need to see there? It just depends. Like, every case is going to be unique and I can't give you a right or wrong answer. Remember, this setting implies reduced animation. So what you can do is Focus on things that aren't conveying information. Is the animation meaningful? You have a background with balloons that float around. <laughs> Is that conveying information? Is that animation meaningful? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so it probably would make sense that you would stop that animation for a user who wants reduced animation. But... If you were, for instance, uh, showing the scale of something, like you, you, somebody's picking a number of things and it affects the size of, of something. So maybe as they're adding boxes, you are actually animating where those boxes are going in your interface to show by adding this, here's how big it's getting. Um, you know, that can be good for maybe, you know, a shipment system or things like that. You're conveying information. The animation is meaningful because it relates to the interaction the person's making. Now, maybe you tone it down a little bit. Maybe it doesn't move as fast. You can make decisions like that to say, you know, let's reduce the animation. Let's maybe make it not bounce and move fast. Maybe we'll just have it move slow and then stop. Like you can, you can make judgment calls on that. Uh, the other side is you can be too aggressive in this because with CSS, you can do a lot of powerful stuff. You can write a selector that says, you know, if media screen and prefers reduce motion reduce, then star target all elements and set animation to none, transition to none, scroll behavior to auto, and important all of those. And you will wipe <laughs> out all your animations. Fuck you, animations. It, it, that, that will absolutely get rid of everything. <laughs> but then you can't override it, right? You, you've imported them. You have wiped everything out regardless of if it's good or not. It's kind of, yes, you are honoring the, the setting the user used, but it is kind of a, like, brute force, target shotgun everything kind of deal. So there are probably more elegant solutions than that. But I will say, yes, it is like, if you don't have time to do anything else, you can do that, and it 
it will solve the problem. It will it will lock I, things down. I would love to see a third setting for this property where it's none and it just does that. Because I I don't know. I I could just imagine there's going to be situations where you just don't want any animation at all. You know, if you're on an EN creator or whatever, it just doesn't fly. It should be none. And that should be an option. Um, it shouldn't be the default for most browsers. But I, I think technically it's different to, to do because it lies. Like if, if a user sets it to none, they're going to expect it to be none. Mm-hmm. But like in this case, like this is shovel ready. Prefers reduced motion. You can use it in every browser right now. And I'll yeah. bet the number of websites, if I went and pulled a hundred websites CSS and searched it for for reduced motion, I'll bet two mm. percent of them use it. Like and and so if I if a user says, Oh, I can set my motion to none, and the first thing they do is go to a site and see that motion is still there, they're gonna feel like the feature is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I guess so. like yeah. like that. That's the there's a technical consumer level problem there that like honoring that setting is tough. Now maybe I mean there are ways around that. Certainly, like none could mean that the browser itself takes that really aggressive selector that I just said. Mm-hmm. Star target every single element on the page. None all the animations important the rules and override everything with that. Like arguably you could say none and have that have the browser brute force a selector like that the risk is breaking things and so this is an maybe an important takeaway because when people animate things there are there may be triggers in the javascript that will trigger behavior like when an animation finishes or things like that mm-hmm. and you'll break those if you just brute force turn off animations like if if a menu drop down is required in order to trigger a behavior on the page to maybe you know lock out the back of the page or something like that yeah. or uh, a uh, an error on a field you know needs to animate for whatever reason whether it's good or not like you just put it in there and then you added a behavior that is like once that animation is done focus the field well you'll break mm. that because animations in many cases still need to happen. There are, in, in fact, in a couple of these articles we've mentioned, um, there are examples of how to do something similar to this, but instead of setting them all to, like, none, you set mm-hmm. the you set an animation to, like, one millisecond. So that the animation... Yeah, the animation is actually too fast to be percept- uh, per- perceptual biv Perceptual div? Per- perceptive is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Perceptual, perceptual wise? Perceptioning in my brain. A person can't see it. It's too fast. Um, but the animation does technically run. And so it will then fire off any, any triggers and events in JavaScript. So there is an alternative to this. And like I say, I think, I, I don't remember who wrote it. I think uh, the, the web.dev article and, and Tatiana's were the two, but I'm probably going to be wrong mm-hmm. on at least one of those. But there is a block that shows this technique of like, yeah, instead of like turning it off, what you're really doing is just turning it down. And you get all the benefit of reducing motion, but less impact and less risk of something breaking. So mm-hmm. that's one of those like it's it's important to kind of know what you're fiddling with in some of those cases. Um but that's also so that's a long way of just saying like 
there are some weird reasons why the options are what they are. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think there's room for that to change, certainly. And because there are things we could do in the UI, like you could set it to none and there could be a little thing, you know, in, in in the the uh OS settings it says like not all sites will honor none or something like you know like not all software is going to honor none but you know this is your best chance so to speak right uh cuz you cuz that is like there is an expectation that you don't want to break cuz not just because somebody has an accessibility need like that doesn't mean they're a power user right like they don't they don't necessarily know a computer better than anybody else if the computer says this is going to do none and then it doesn't do none it's going to feel broken. So, yeah. Um, this is part of a suite of tools. And I just want to mention these because these are like, no, they exist. Um, because this is a deep cut kind of feature. Most people don't know it exists. Um, it's incredibly useful. It's a very powerful accommodation affordance tool. And these other ones will be. Just not yet. <laughs> um, so... You mentioned earlier, Aaron, the uh, prefers reduced data, and we, when we talked about that uh, a few months yeah. back, that's. It, can you take a guess what that does? <laughs> I mean, it sends less data, uses lower file size yeah. files. It's yeah. I mean, it doesn't technically do anything unless you honor it. But if you honor it, then you could do things like maybe you send a higher res photos versus low res photos. Maybe you don't pre-download a video. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. download an extra, you know, JavaScript library or something like that. You can make choices then to say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to, instead of having this giant photo background, that's like a huge, you know, 20 megapixel photo. That's, you know, 34 megs. We'll just have a color <laughs> for the background, you know, <laughs> um, prefers reduced data has no browser support yet. Don't use it. Um, it's, it is a spec. It is you can test it in Chrome and Edge with an experimental flag, but that's it. Um, there's also prefers color scheme, um, which I do think is better supported actually. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, prefers color scheme lets you check for I, I I think it just checks between light and dark. So like you know how that's become a real popular like having dark mode on a site. Right. Um, yes. And so prefers color scheme gives you a, a way to like detect the user's uh, preference. And then there's prefers. I love, I love sites that do that. <laughs> I check it. <laughs> Man, you're going to make me do it for our site, aren't you? Yes. I wasn't planning on it, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, prefers contrast. If, if it if it makes it any better, I'm happy to do the CSS edits to make dark mode work on our, on our new theme. I feel like that can be a contribution I can do. So prefers contrast is good except in Firefox so far. Um, everything else supports it. Uh, you can it's uh, I think I think it's just a, a boolean is all it uh, mm-hmm. is all it takes. Um, prefers color scheme is supported across the board. Edge, Firefox, Chrome, not IE, but I mean no big deal, no no big loss there. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it does, I, I'm looking here as I'm talking, it, it does in fact take just light and dark. Those are the values, light, dark. Um, my presumption is light is probably the default. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this this is kind of one of those things, one of the reasons I wanted to just talk about this tonight and talk about this specifically here and these other ones is this, I think, is going to be that sort of new frontier of web development 
giving users the ability to control the kind of experience they have and knowing those flags so that you can develop experiences that honor a user's request. There are a lot of other directions I think things like this could take um, mm -hmm. and let you do things like maybe prefers reduced data. Maybe I'm going to turn off web fonts as well. You know, prefers color scheme. If I know, in fact, you want a dark uh, scheme, then I can preload that for you um, ahead of time and have the site already dark at that point. Um, but maybe, you know, uh, we have something for uh, prefers color mode to deal with maybe uh, um, color blindness accessibility or something oh, along that. Oh, that would be nice. Like, if I know that you have a certain uh, a color filter, then maybe I can provide a different color palette to make the page more viewable. Or, alternatively, just always try to make sure you check your colors to make sure they differentiate. But, I mean, and I'm yeah. just, I'm literally talking off the top of my head here. Um, no, I mean, those are, those are, I like this idea of kind of, um, specifying what accommodations you need to your browser and then having a like machine readable means of the browser communicating that to like during the request as like additional headers or something. Yeah. Um, that would, that would be really like, I would love to see that, that things move in that direction. That would be great. I mean, it, it really is sort of that next evolution, right? We've, we've gone through these iterations of the web and what, what has been capable from, the old dark ages when we used to put on websites, this site is best viewed in Netscape at 640 by 480, right? <laughs> Talk about the, <laughs> the complete antithesis of what we're talking about here. Like <laughs> you were locked in to everything if you wanted the right experience. You had no control at all and it was like curated for you. And now we're saying, no, let's like, let's absolutely give people all the control let's mm -hmm. let's figure out everything they want and try you know to make sure we present a page in a way that is pleasing to them you know mm -hmm. there are plenty of folks that like i mentioned web fonts some people go nuts with web fonts and the two problems with that are a they can be big and b they can be hard to read like uh, uh, we mentioned adhd earlier um another one is dyslexia and Different fonts can make things like dyslexia much harder. Um, different fonts will trigger dyslexia worse than other fonts. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there are there are fonts that are designed to help with dyslexia. That they the the letters letter forms are designed in such a way to make them more distinguishable, so that they don't flip on people as much. Um, so, like web fonts are a whole world of challenge that we could control things like this with. Yes, your designer wants a specific font, whatever, that's great. But the user needs to be able to say no. Like, and it doesn't matter what the, the reason is. Is it data? Is it accessibility? Is it whatever? Like, just honor those settings. So that's, I think, the lesson from all of this. Go look up prefers reduced motion. See what you can apply it to. You know, try to, or come up with some interesting ways to even use it, you know. Go out and make an animation with the purpose of giving people control over that thing. Add a JavaScript flag. You, this is something else we didn't really talk about it, but you know, you could set this, um, create a function in your JavaScript for it. And mm -hmm. if you're concerned that maybe a user doesn't know the option is in their operating system, 
just like, uh, you know, with color scheme, right? Websites all have the, the switch, the light, dark, sun, moon switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put a switch in your interface to turn down animations and just bind it to your same function. And then, boom, whether or not they've set it in their operating system settings, they can still set it individually for your site. Uh, you know, get, hmm. get creative with some of that. You, you know, think outside the box and, and, you know, affordances and accommodation. Those are the words of the night. You know, you know what I would like to see if we're adding accessibility features? I want to see a prefers recipe only <laughs> that would go on recipe sites. Pre- prefers no stories. <laughs> Prefers no stories or ads or interstitials. What equals? There's one, true. right? Prefers no ads or prefers reduced ads. <laughs> let's say it that way. Prefers reduced ads. That would never happen. Think, but it would be so good. <laughs> I I think that is the feature to take a break on. I hope this is, I think, one of the the big dips into like. I hope you learned something new tonight on this because this is one of those like. I, I definitely feel like not a lot of people know about this particular tool, and it's it is definitely a power feature for accessibility. It is a way to, I think, set yourself apart as a developer, especially to be like I am out here doing you know the heavy lifting on these cool animations and making sure they operate the way they're supposed to, and it it will show in your code, it will show in your interviews, things like that. So pick this stuff up, read about them. Um, and if you put together a cool, uh, a cool example, let me know about it. Cause I'd love to see that. Yeah. Come talk with us on uh, discord. You can find that on drunkenyokes.com slash discord, or you can engage with us on any of the other social medias that we are on, such as Twitter and facebook.com slash drunkenyux and come and support us. Oh, and I guess Instagram technically at drunkenyux podcast, whatever. Uh, and uh, you should consider helping, since we're talking about accessibility, help support us getting human transcripts by supporting us at drunkenux.com slash support, which redirects you to our Patreon. And we have a lot of very um, reasonable tiers, and all of that money is going directly towards transcription services. With the goal of eventually getting, paying a human being to do manual transcriptions, getting the best possible transcription. You're posting a thing on Instagram right now, aren't you? I, I mean, I've never, I've, I've never used the uh, the the real function on uh, oh. <laughs> on Instagram before. So like, I'm 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 trying to be hip like the kids. Is this is this how TikToks work? I don't know. <laughs> this is how we record I've episodes, heard, though, folks. <laughs> I've heard that Reels is a great way because it's promoted on a different channel through Instagram, so it's a great way to get more audience uh, audience people. I, I'm doing it because you you challenged me. You said we don't use Instagram enough, and I've actually thought about how I can use it better and like show some behind the scenes stuff. So I'm doing that because you told me to. I'm doing it because at the end of the day, I want to make sure people know that we keep our personas close, but our users closer. Happy March tomorrow. Bye bye. Happy March. <laughs> <laughs>